0: If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 2nd Chronicles chapter 7. Familiar passage for most of you, 2nd Chronicles chapter 7. And then I'll be turning to 1st Corinthians chapter 9 momentarily. But let's look what the Word of God says here in 2nd Chronicles 7 and verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Father, we bow before you this morning as your people. And Father, we come asking that you would just open up your word to us, that we can understand, so that you may hear from heaven, And, God, that we can see our land healed. And, Father, I pray even right now that you would begin to work in hearts and lives of people in this room, that their eyes would be opened maybe for the first time, that they would understand the convicting, drawing power of your Holy Spirit, and they would obey you, responding in repentance and faith and being born again into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Most of you are familiar with the passage of Scripture that I just read. You're so familiar with it because it's been proclaimed time and time again. It's been put on billboards, it's been broadcast throughout this land. And we want to stand and say, Amen, Hallelujah. We understand. But do you realize who said it? It wasn't the words of a man. It wasn't the words of a preacher. These are the words of God himself. Man didn't come up with this. God was speaking. And when God was speaking in these words, in these promises, he gives us such a blessed, precious promise. You understand what has happened Solomon and the people of Israel, the people of God, they have just completed the building of the temple of Almighty God. And they are offering the dedication. They have offered sacrifice to God. And God showed up and God demonstrated Himself in a fashion that was not questionable. In a fashion whereby everybody knew, that God, everybody knew God was here. Sometimes you come to church and you wonder, was God even there? Why? They knew God was there because two things happened that was amazing. One was they brought this tremendous sacrifice unto God, and God answered with fire, and fire from heaven fell. Let me ask you something. What did you bring to offer God today? You want God to show up, but did you offer anything today? You see, see, we think the preacher's going to bring it. We think the music is going to bring it. But that's not true. You've got to bring a sacrifice. If you want the fire of God to fall, you've got to do what your part is. Bring the sacrifice that's obedient and acceptable to God or there'll be no fire from God. And we can get used to, well, that was nice. But I don't want to get used to that was nice. Do you? I want to meet God. I want God to demonstrate Himself. And so they were there. They offered the sacrifice. The fire of God fell, and it consumed the sacrifice in totality. And the Bible tells us in this story that the people, they saw the glory of God. The cloud of the pillar of that, the cloud of God's presence so enveloped the temple that the people, the priests, could not stay inside. They had to move out, but they saw. Now listen to me. Have you ever seen the glory? See, see, I've been in meetings where God has demonstrated himself in a powerful way. I've been in meetings where I would say the fire of God fell because what happens when the fire of God falls? I fall down. You fall down. You get on your face on the altar of God and you can't get low enough because you're in the presence of the majesty of the Father. And when God starts demonstrating himself in that way, there's a trembling that comes upon your life. There's a trembling that comes upon your body and all you're doing is getting on your knees, getting on your face before the living God. I know what it is to experience the presence of God. as too many if you, I know what it is to be in God's presence and God just moving my I know what it is to feel God but I ain't never seen him but it says here in this text that they saw the glory of God now you understand the difference here it's between showing up and God demonstrating himself and having the heaviness of God's spirit so upon your life you cannot stand where you are and guys, it does still happen because when God's presence shows up and the heaviness of his weight, the heaviness of the glory comes upon your life, you can't stay where you are. You can't stand where you are. There will be a response to your life, of your life to God. And this response, will either be bending and submission to him or you'll walk out of here not knowing him. And that's a scary thought because when God moves that way, he's appealing for you to respond to him. But God showed up and these two things happened. The first thing that happened was he demonstrated to himself by allowing fire to come down and, and, and to, to consume the sacrifice. And the second thing was it says they saw the glory. They experienced the presence. They saw, they experienced, they knew God. And then God goes on and he starts to talk to Solomon and he gives him a very strong warning. Let me paraphrase what he says to Solomon here. He says, Solomon, at this moment, everything is going your way. Life is really good, but but there's going to come a day when life is not so good to you. When crises are going to come and there's going to be trouble in your land. And when that day comes, I'm going to give you a commandment that will make all the difference in the world. And this commandment is of such crucial importance, especially to your nation as it would be to any nation. Because when God speaks, my friends, that settles it. Because the future of a nation does not rest upon the heathen. The future of a nation does not rest upon the pagans. The future of the nation, it rests upon the people of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? The future of America, it rests upon the church. And the church will rise up triumphant. It may not be what we think it is, but the true church of Jesus Christ will rise up, will be triumphant, no matter what may be transpiring. But the future of America lies in the nature, the very life of the church. not the lost world not the heathen and if America goes down it will not go down because the heathen won. it will go down because the church did not stand because the church is the very body of Christ the bride of Christ and we're called to stand and we're called to stand when it's not popular to stand and we're called to stand where it's not about making friends when we stand but we are called to stand because the fate of a country does not rest in the infidel it rests in the people of god are you a child of god then stand for something the lord jesus christ stand because that's where our hope is Because there's going to come a time it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets more difficult, it gets more difficult. And so God is saying this to Solomon, and he's saying, hear me, this is my promise to you, and if you will do this. Look what he said there. He says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Do you qualify for that verse of Scripture? Are you a child of God? Have you been born again by the the blood of Jesus Christ? If my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways. He didn't tell the world to turn from their wicked ways, did he? He didn't tell the infidel, the pagans, to turn from their wicked ways, did he? He told the church, he told the people of God, He said, if you, the the church, my people will will turn from their wicked. Let me ask you something. Have you turned from any wicked ways lately? Have you turned from anything that that distracts you from the passion of the person of Jesus? Have you turned from the sin of this world and the desires of this world? Have you turned from your wicked ways? Because if you've not, you don't qualify. Because here's what he said. He says, this to my people who are called by my name, if they will turn from their wicked ways. So what have you turned from this week? Or are you still turning to the world? Turning to, to those things of the world that, that excite you, that stimulate you, that, that moves you. And, and, and as you turn to, to those things, you are turning your back on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what have you turned from? Because he tells us here, if you want my presence and my power to demonstrate itself, then you've got to stand. And in order for you to stand, you've got to make a choice. You've got to decide, I'm going to turn from from the world. I'm going to turn. And it says, who are called by my name. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say those who call themselves by my name it doesn't say those who say oh i'm a christian but they live like a hellion are, are, are you getting this now and i've not lived here long enough but i know in east tennessee everybody's a christian by their profession i have sat in jail cells and, and i have had prisoners in the jail tell me oh mark i'm a christian and i go really then what are you doing in jail I've been in federal prisons, and I've had people say, oh, Mark, I'm a Christian. And I'm going, really? What are you doing in a federal penitentiary? I've sat with drug addicts. I've sat with alcoholics, and they tell me, oh, Mark, I'm a Christian. And I want to say, how come? Really? Because your behavior is not consistent with what the Word of God says. Do you see a disconnection there? And you know them as well as I do. There's people who are going to tell you all the time, oh, I'm a Christian. I got saved when I was seven in vacation Bible school. But since I left my mommy and daddy's home, I've had no heart for God. I've had no plan for Jesus. I've had no desire for the Word. Of God. They're not saved. Because when you get saved, He changes you. You don't change yourself, though you have to be willing to be changed. He changes you. That's what the Word of God says. He puts desires inside of you. He puts want tos inside of you. Oh, bless his heart, Brother Mark. You know my child. Oh, Mark, Mark, he, he's 40 years old. He's a drunk. He's an alcoholic. He is a drug addict. He, he just doesn't work. He is so, oh, but he's a Christian. Why do you think he's saved? Well, Mark, when he was a little boy, and I believe in eternal security, bless God, I do too. Now listen to me. I know I'm saved. I don't know my wife is saved. I only know for me. I don't know you're saved. I only know for me. I think my wife's saved. I think you're saved. You give behaviors that indicate salvation. But when they give no behavior that indicates that they met Jesus, see, it says when my people who are called by my name, Down at your workplace, do people say, Well, Billy Bob is a Christian because look how he lives? Or does your work people say, You a Christian? You you worse than me, brother. You tell dirtier jokes than I do. I see you down at the the, the bar, I see you down at the the drug house, I see you down at the prostitutes place. I, I mean, you're a Christian? You see what God God is saying? When my people who are called by my name, that means you live different. Are you living different? See, See, I know this. I know when you get saved, God puts a new want to inside you. And see, the things I used to want to do, when I met Jesus, all of a sudden, that want to it. I could still do those things I wanted to do, but I couldn't get the same joy, the same pleasure, the same excitement out of Why? Because I've been filled by the Holy Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, God put inside me something that was not satisfied with what the world had to offer. And God said, no, I've changed you. I've borne you. And you won't find satisfaction there. Do you know what you do? You find now misery there. And so you get higher and you get drunker and you go deeper in just trying to get numb. What's it say? He said, if my people who are called by, not somebody, say, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm telling somebody where people say, she's a child of God. Do you see what God's saying here? He, he, he's setting this up, not me. He says, says, my people who are called by my name. Now, has anybody besides me ever done anything stupid? All right, about four of us. See, there's sometimes in life we can just be brilliant, right? And we just think, man, I am so that. And it don't take long before my brilliance turns to complete stupidity. And you think, what was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. I was just reacting. And as a child of God, you have been born again by the Spirit of the living God. He has come and taken up residence inside your life. He is going to prompt you. He is going to guide you. He is going to direct you. And we've got to yield to His direction. You consciously, constantly, have to make conscious choices and decisions to yield to the Word of God. Does that make sense? Because if you don't make these conscious, intentional decisions to yield to the church, to, to the Word of God, we end up making these dumb decisions, and we we harm the kingdom, because our testimony gets marred. But if we can habitually live there, there's a problem with what we profess we have. And you're not saved by a profession of faith. You're saved by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so God says, if my people, who are called by my name, that means people recognize you are different, there's something about your life that is not the same as their life, and they want what you have because you are different, you stand... He says, when you turn from your evil ways and you seek my face, then I'm going to show up. And that's what it says. And so so he he said, Great Vine Baptist Church, those who are called by my name, if you will turn from your own stuff, it don't have to be wicked and vile. But it's just your own stuff. And if you will seek my face, you can't mess with your own stuff and at the same time seek his face. You know that? And see, as long as we're messing with our own stuff, we're not seeking his face. And when we're not seeking his face, we're messing with our stuff. But he says, if you will just stop your stuff and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. I will heal this place. I will demonstrate myself. Right now, things are good. But there's going to come a time when things aren't good there's going to come a crisis moment where things aren't good. And some of us are going to try to play catch-up. And I've learned this over life. It's hard to play catch-up after the crisis gets here, isn't it? He said, but I'll heal your land. Now, now, Now look over in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Because here we want to see what God is saying in the same context you see, see uh, 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 of this command over in 2 Chronicles. Now, now, do you understand when, when, when Paul was writing this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the Corinthian church, the Corinthian church did not have it all together. You understand the Corinthian church, here's what their thinking was. I'm Christian, but I like the world too. That's what the Corinthian church was thinking. And do you not see a problem in that thinking? Because they are contrary to one another. God never told us, commanded us to see how close to the world we can get before we fall off the edge. He said, flee, youthful lust. Flee, get away from it. Now look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. How many runners we got in here? We got a few run-for-godders. Hold your hand up. Yeah, I've been doing that. I told them when I showed up, I did not sign up for this. You all killing me. But, but, But I'm a runner now. This is what a runner looks like. So, so when I get there and run, and, and Terry said, you're running 27 minutes tonight. And I looked at him like, you're crazy. But see, see, here's my issue. I hate getting beat. And nearly every woman in here can outrun me. I mean, but see, if I'm going to run, I have a pace I have to go at. And if I don't run at my pace, see, see I'm not running against Jica. I'm not running against Shar. I'm running my race. All right? And so Paul's here using the terminology here. He said, see, see, and this thing is, we think we're trying to outrun somebody. We're not. We're running a race. And we have a pace that we are you run according to right and Lori runs a whole lot quicker race than I do when she's running nine minutes and I'm running fourteen. <laughs> and she's up there. And I'm about to go, <laughs> see, see, see see we're running that's what Paul said. He said, know ye not that which they which run in a race Run all, but one receives a prize. So run that you may obtain. Here's what he's saying. You're running to win. You get that? Now, we on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about witnessing, and, and we realize we don't win anybody to Jesus. But in the race of life, in the race of faith, you run to win. You just don't show up and nonchalantly, you run with a purpose. Look what it says. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. You know what that means? Your pace. You pace yourself. And as you pace yourself, do you know what happens? At some point, you can pick up the pace. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, So fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now look at this. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives a prize, so run that ye may obtain Run to win. That's a command. It's not a suggestion. And it's high time the church of Jesus Christ. Suggestion book. This is a command from Almighty God. How we are to live our lives. And we live our life with purpose for His glory, His honor, His kingdom. Not our own but I kind of like my stuff. Well, that's why you're in the mess you're in. Because your focus is distracted. And distractions create distance between you and the master. And distance can be deadly to your spiritual life, to your health, to your personal life. You run to win. That's a command that God has given us. Last week, in your spiritual life, did you run in such a way that you said, I'm running to win? Did you? Did you run to win last week? Last week's gone. How about this week? Will you choose that I am going to run to win in obedience with what the Word of God says. Because if I don't run to win, I should be a castaway. Last line of verse 27. You know who's writing this? Paul. You know who Paul is? probably one of the greatest Christians in the New Testament era, he wrote over half this as moved upon by the Spirit of God. He went on missionary journeys. He, he shared the gospel where people had never heard the gospel. Paul's writing this, and he's saying, if I don't run to win, I can be a castaway. Now, this is not about losing your salvation. This is about when you get to glory, to heaven. You need to understand that. But Paul is saying, I don't want to be a castaway. See, everybody he was writing this letter to in the New Testament time knew what he was talking about. There was two sets of worldwide games that were held. We still do one of them today. You know what it is? It's called the Olympics. And every four years, we will show up across this world and we will meet and we have the Olympic Games. And everybody who stands on the podiums, they get flowers and they're wrapped in laurel wreaths. Now, now the other set of games was the Ismanian Games. And it was the same basic principle as the Olympics, but those two games were held worldwide in New Testament time. Everybody knew when Paul was writing what he was referring to but they would run, and they would get, if they won, you know what they got? They got a laurel wreath crown. Whoopee. Right? You have worked yourself for years. You have trained your body. You have beat your body into submission. You are physically fit, and you run, and you succeed, and, and you win. And they say, here's your dead Bunch of sticks wrapped together. Bless your heart. Isn't that what it is? See, he said, you run for a corruptible crown. Do you know what they did with that dead bunch of sticks wrapped together? They take it off their head. And they walk over to their king. King. And they say, I did this for you. Woo! That's a good place to shout, folks. Paul saying, we ain't doing this for a corruptible crap. We're doing this for an incorruptible crap. Because one day when, when we go to glory, if we've been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, know that we know we're saved We're going to stand before God and... But listen, in these games, there's a guy called a herald. Not herald, but a herald. And the herald is the, what we would say, referee. He's the judge. You know what the judge did? He looked for two things. Two things you violate... You're castaway. You're disqualified. Did you keep the rules? Hmm. How about you last week? Did you keep the rules? Did you even read the rule book? You got you hearing it? Disqualified. See, I'm not talking about you living the most meaningful, joyful life you can for the next 30 years. I'm talking about all eternity this will follow you. Did you keep the rules? Did you run last week and say, I'm running to win? No, I didn't. Well, bless the Lord. What are you going to do this week? Some of y'all need to say, in my prayer life, last week, last, I did not run to it. I didn't pray the way God wants me to. But this week, I'm going to I was 24 years old. I'm 58 years old. So that's been 32 long time ago. Char and I had been married the first year. We're not even married a whole year yet. We were in seminary. I've been preaching for four years or so. God spoke to me through a book by E.M. Bounds called The Power of Prayer and he said, Mark, you play and pray. And you know what? He's told me that more than once. But when I was 24 years old, I said, I will seek the face of God in prayer. And I'm not playing these buckshot prayers as I drive down the road. That's all my prayer life is. I'm going to turn off the television. They was not cell phones at that point and I'm going to go to my closet and I'm going to get on my knees and my face before God and I'm going to become a man of prayer. Is that what you need to do? Ladies, is that what you need to do? Because you can't do it with the cell phone on your hip because it will beep. You can't do it with the distractions of the world around because it will be more important. If you're going to run to win, you've got to make a decision in your life that that I'm going to run to the glory of God. Maybe you need to understand in your quiet time that you need to do more than just read the Word of God. You need to start feeding your soul on the Word of God. And you need to start memorizing Scripture and and saying, God, I need to know your Word so while I'm out I I can... I can just say it off the top of my head as I need to because I'm going to face challenges in life and I need joy. Maybe you know to say, if I'm going to run to win, my intake of the Word of God has got to become more than what it has been. If I'm going to run to win, I've got to start praying like a man of faith, like a woman of faith. If I'm going to run to win, I've got to be an intentional witness looking at people as eyes of Christ, said, lost or saved, heaven or hell. And I'm going to be able to say, can I ask you a question? Do you want to run to win? Because if you don't, you don't want to obey Jesus. Because it's a command. It's not a suggestion. So I'm going to run to win. Because if I don't run to win, I should be a castaway. I should become disqualified. And that's the greatest shame we will ever experience because here's how it is paul is writing this i have no doubt paul's saying you he knows jesus but he's saying even with all that has transpired in my life there is the potential that i could become a cat it's not saying i will miss heaven It's saying, when I get to heaven, I have nothing to lay before the feet of Jesus. Now, Billy Graham has been a tremendous man of faith, and he has been used by God in a powerful way. And some people like him, and some people don't. I don't understand that, but but I believe he's a man of God, was a man of God. And I imagine when Billy Graham got to heaven, he had a crown led at the feet of Jesus. I believe Mordecai Ham, when he got to heaven, he got a crown because he's the one that led Billy Graham to Jesus. I believe the little lady in the soup kitchen that led Mordecai Ham to Jesus has a crown. You getting it? But when I get to heaven and they come up and say, Mark, What are you going to give to Christ? Well, I don't have a crown because I broke the rules. I stepped out of bounds. I didn't run to win down here. I have nothing for eternity for eternity to lay at the feet of Christ. And so I'm that two-watt light bulb and Jika's that million-watt bulb just busted. You see, do you understand what I'm saying? For those who are called by my name, deal with your stuff. seek my face and I will heal but you cannot live thinking I can live for the world and live to satisfy my flesh and live for the kingdom at the same time because all eternity all eternity it's going to be there and I have nothing Isn't it amazing what we pay professional athletes? Now, we don't pay them, but whoever pays them. And sometimes I watch these baseball games, and I'm not a great baseball fan because it's slow. I've been to one professional ball game in my life, and it was the most boring event until they got a fight at third base, and I thought it finally livened up, all right? That was after a two-hour rain delay. But it's like three up, three down, three up, three down, and they're going... Here's some joker that's paid millions of dollars. And he gets up to bat. And for every time he bats, it's like he makes $10,000. Isn't it right? Do the math. And he hits a grounder. So what's he do? No! He runs to win because he's been paid $10,000 whether he's thrown out or not. Because, you see, when we have this casual approach to our faith, like it's just a nonchalant little oh, we ain't running to win. We ain't obeying the Word of God. And heaven is silent. umpire says you're cast away you're disqualified because you broke the rules the other thing he rules on is this you're cast away because you didn't give a hundred percent I think I'm going to be a ten percent Christian today I think that's a good concept to start with for those of you who are struggling in that area. But guys, he wants everything you've got. Well, he should want that. Have you met him? How do you say no? When he took your sin. On his body on the tree. When he took your beating, so the divine judge, the herald says, if you're not giving your all, you'll be disqualified. You'll be cast out if you break the rules. This week, this week, I make up my mind. I'm not going to live for the stuff. I'm going to live for Israel. see, until you make up your mind, it ain't going to happen. You're just going to play this little silly game. You're going to be hot and cold, in and out, up and down. Out there yesterday, fishing a little bit. Maverick's standing there beside me, and it's raining. And I'm underneath the edge of the cover, and all of a sudden, he just perks out. I think, What's up with you? And I saw him take off, and he took off. And I think, What's he chasing? There's no deer. Here's what I saw three. And you know how rabbits are? They freeze. Until he got about, the me to Mike, it looked like they just froze. And then they took off. And they were gone. Now they, we got a big yard. So he had run all the way to the other side. And so he turned around. He gets back over there, and I'm amazed at how his tongue can double in size. Then he gets back. I was, high while I was hanging out over here. You've heard about chasing rabbits? We spend so much time chasing I'm not saying there's a wrong to have not have a good time every now and again. But you've got determined turn. I'm going to win. This is not a game. This is about the kingdom. This is about eternity. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Let me ask you some If you were to die you know that you know that you know you would go to heaven? You say, Preacher, I, I don't know that, but I know I don't want to go to hell. If you need to come to this altar, and let someone show you with an open Bible how to be born. Well, Preacher, I, I, I did that when I was six, but it just didn't work. Guys, you need to settle something. Lost man, lost woman, lost boy, lost girl. Don't let pride damn your soul to hell. Respond to God. Christian. You are called by His name. Do people know you are Christian because of how you live? Or are they shocked? when you tell them what is it that you need to adjust in your life so that you can run the Christian race 20? it always involves time it may involve your finances it can involve relationships what is it that you need to deal with that when you get to heaven you can take that incorruptible crown and you can walk over to your Lord Jesus Christ you can get on your knees and say, this is nothing compared to what you gave for me. But I did this for you. Are you ready? Father, we bow before you. God, I pray.